All right, welcome everyone. It's the top of the hour, so we're going to get started. Back when I was a little girl, before smartphones and tablets, my parents sang songs to keep me, my toe-headed younger sister, and our curly-haired baby brother occupied and not fighting over space in the backseat of our navy blue 1974 Volvo station wagon. On the way up to our grandmother's farm, we sang American folk tunes about sweet Betsy from Pike who crossed the wide prairie with her lover Ike, songs about fair maidens fishing in cool shady nooks by the side of a brook, and sea shanties about lighthouse keepers marrying mermaids. We sang holiday songs when the season called for it, singing deep and low. Our dad became good King Wenceslas while the rest of us served as the page, gathering food and wine and walking in the King's warm boot prints in the snow. We also sang patriotic songs. And the one I loved the best was about George Washington. First in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen. That is the story of Washington. Thanks to all that singing on those long car rides through the Maryland countryside, I developed a love for my country, its land, its people, and its potential. By the time I had started my own family, climate change loomed. 15 years ago with my children in the backseat of my 98 silver Volvo sedan while driving, while the, driving the to their grandparents' home. I found it difficult to sing to them because I was so worried about climate change. I wondered if those five miles of city traffic were adding carbon dioxide to the air that would make earth uninhabitable when they started having children of their own. Summers were growing increasingly warm, much hotter than I remembered as a child. I was doing all I could on my own, hanging the laundry on the clothesline instead of using the dryer, walking to the farmer's market instead of driving to the store and leaving the air conditioning off even during the hot Virginia summer days. But none of that seemed impactful enough, especially as my neighbors appeared to continue living as if nothing needed changing. Citizens Climate Lobby entered my life at the moment I felt the darkest about the encroaching climate crisis. For me, Joining CCL felt like the stars had aligned. I had discovered an organization with volunteers spread across the country in every shady nook, wild, wide prairie and wave splashed coast from Florida to Kansas to Alaska and with the aim of covering nearly every congressional district. I had found my people. Here was my chance, like Good King Wenceslas or George Washington, to work with my fellow citizens to move our country forward to fulfill our greatest potential to solve the climate crisis. I was so energized, hopeful, and excited. I may no longer fight in the backseat with my siblings or listen to my beloved parents sing. However, I live out the values honored in those songs. And this year, I'm singing the same songs to my four-year-old granddaughter, Isabel. Two summers ago, Izzy and I celebrated the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act by jumping up and down in her mother's living room, shouting, we won, we won, and pointing to the TV where Vice President 
Kamala Harris read roll call for this historic vote. Thanks to CCL, I was part of the effort to help Congress pass a piece of legislation that included the most substantial investment in climate in the U.S. to date. CCL is my home and has become part of my family. I hope that by the time we finish our workshop today, you too will have found your home in CCL. Hold on here, let me get to my, there we go. We won't be learning folk tunes and patriotic songs today, but we will be exercising our political will building muscles. We will reconnect with what brought each of us to CCL, wanting to help Congress solve the climate crisis. And we will practice meeting with the member of Congress. Maybe you've lobbied before and can bring some expertise to the table. Maybe lobbying is a brand new experience for you. Either way, the more we build the political will, the stronger our movement will grow collectively and the more powerful we will grow individually. Along the way, we will educate ourselves, get inspired and take action. And we won't stop you from singing if you feel so called. So let's jump right in. Joining me today as co-host is Salemi Hernandez, our regional coordinator for the Southeast. She manages Florida, Georgia, Alabama, North and South Carolina. So Salemi, how shall we start? Well, let's start first with each other. We'll get to know each other, at least two people in a virtual room today through our first breakout room exercise. If you feel uncomfortable with the idea of breakout rooms, I think that's great. CCL is all about getting out of our comfort zone. So this can be your first experience with that today. Here's how this will work. In a moment, Mega will open the breakout rooms with three people per room. We will have five minutes in the breakout rooms. You will each have one minute to speak. Please have, one, have someone time shares and gently interrupt the, interrupt the other person when they reach their minute. Our breakout room question is, what happened in your life and what decisions did make, did make you get here or with this commitment or in this moment? Ellie will put a, the question in the chat for you so you know what you're working on. Maybe your family traditions prepared you to, be, to go big in solve with climate change, like Eric Carr karaoke with her parents. Maybe extreme weather woke you up on your personal lifetime changes didn't seem to have a big impact of the magnitude of the problem. Share whatever comes up to you. We will have 60 second warnings before bringing you back to the main room. The person that leave closest to the Florida Keys goes first. Megan. Uh, can you open the room, please? Welcome back, everyone. Go back a slide, Drew. There you go. Stay there. We'll tell you when to. We'll tell you when to advance. We're still waiting for a couple people, but get ready to share or invite someone else to share. Uh, you can put your hand, electronic hand up. You can put your regular hand up. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that was fun and you get to meet amazing people. Welcome back, everyone. How was that? So welcome back, everybody. Let's have 
Do I still have people triggering in? Is this way for everybody? Welcome back, everybody. Let's have two or three people share what they said in the breakout room. Who would like to share? You. Uh, we got Jamie. Hi. I kept my little timer on. <laughs> so my name is Jamie McPeak, and I've always been really involved with animals. I grew up in a very um, animal-loving home, all about rescuing and and just animal rights and stuff. And really going to college, I studied environmental science and just learned a lot about not even necessarily climate change, but just about how it's affecting us as humans, how it's affecting, you know, storms and affecting natural disasters and basically affecting every inch of this world. And I just kind of was like, well, how can I not get involved? Like, I feel like it's like our right as humans to protect this planet for the future generations and for all beings that inhabit it. So um, I became an ambassador for the World Wildlife Fund and that's how I found CCL was through them. And I'm really excited to expand my horizons even more and get to the lobbying aspects because that's where the, the big change is really gonna happen. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Jamie. Uh, Bob? So uh, 1974, graduating from college, I saw a Cousteau Society advertisement in Time magazine. It was a picture of a life ring on, on the ocean with a hand raising out of it like somebody drowning. And uh, the Cousteau Society was pointing out how the ocean was already being trashed and that the 5% of humans who then lived in the United States were using 95% of the annual resource use and that gets what got me started and then uh, i've been crusading ever since then trying to save earth from humanity and recently met somebody in my town who's a ccl chapter director and here i am thank you bob i love to hear everyone's stories and dan uh hi i'm dan barrenholz in new jersey good uh, afternoon uh, East Coast and good morning, West Coast. Uh, I have been a massage therapist for 20 years. Uh, I have a torn shoulder issue, which is preventing me from being a massage therapist uh, pretty much the rest of my life. And But that's not the reason I'm here. Um, starting in March, um, I decided to change careers. Um, listening to the news, uh, by the way, I um, I listened to part of this uh, training on the way uh, on the way here. Sorry, my license went out. Um, and I heard a young lady say something about how climate change is one of her top priorities. Um, for me, climate change is the priority, not even top priority. It's the priority. If we don't solve climate change, we will not be here in 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 years, in my opinion. Um, so I am doing a complete 180 turn about face and I'm learning everything I can possibly do via podcasts or trainings like this one um, to be able to make an effective change. Thank you, Dan. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time to listen to all your stories, but please do share in the chat. We would love to know uh, what got you to this point and why you're so committed to take action in climate change. Thank you. Ellie? Yes, thank you. All right, next slide. 
So let's move on to our next section and we call this section Save versus Saver. And it starts with a quote from beloved American author E.B. White. Again, when I was a little girl, I read several of his books and I wonder if you did too. So go to the chat and type in the names of any of the books that you can remember by E.B. White. Give you a second to Charlotte's Web, of course, Strunk and White, not exactly a child's book, but definitely a good book uh, co-authored. Stuart Little, loving it. You guys are getting it. Show our next slide, Trumpet of the Swan. There we go. Those beautiful covers of those wonderful books. All right, next slide. In 1969, E.B. White gave an interview with the New York Times. Quote, if the world were merely seductive, he noted, that would be easy. If it were merely challenging, that would be no problem. But I arise in the morning torn between a desire to improve or save the world and a desire to enjoy or savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. We in CCL like to add, but if we forget to savor the world, what possible reason do we have for saving it? In a way, the savoring must come first. Let me repeat that last part. If we forget to savor the world, what possible reason do we have for saving it? Salemi, so I have followed you on social media as you kayak through the Everglades. Uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about that experience. And while Salemi's doing that, Megan, if you'll set up breakout rooms for us, because we'll be doing another breakout room exercise right after Salemi share. So next slide, Drew. So I do leave for this quote. I don't think that's the slide. It's uh, <laughs> uh, slide 11. But nature is my Hang on, go back, go back, Drew. <laughs> Yeah, you guys need the picture. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, oh, I'll give you a little tip. Drew has the wrong to... slide deck. Oh, dear goodness gracious. Hang on. you. Okay, stop sharing the slides, Drew. I'm going to share the correct slides with you in the chat. And then, Salemi, you go ahead and tell us your story. Absolutely. Should I start now or just wait for yes, the slides? Yes, don't wait for the slides. Go ahead. All right. So like I said, guys, I live for this quote. Actually, after this meeting, I'm going to go paddleboarding um in nature nature for me it's solace it's a sanctuary it holds a special place in my heart it's where i find peace the sound of the gentle wave lapping against my paddleboard the taste of the salty air of my lips the feel of the warm sun on my skin and the size of the vibrant biodiversity around me I even love the alligators. There's so many beautiful birds where I go. All of these experiences come floating back whenever I think about these magical places. It reminds me the beauty that needs to be safeguarded. I feel so grateful to be part of this amazing world and nature. This deep connection with nature amplifies my commitment to CCL mission of fostering personal and political power to address climate change head on in a nonpartisan grassroots manner. Awesome. Next slide, Drew. You got the right slides. <laughs> and thank you for letting me share what I savor with you. Now, we will give you a chance to share about the people, places, and things you favor, you savor. We will have five minutes in a breakout room, three people per breakout room. You will each have a minute to speak. 
have someone keep time and gently alert the person sharing when their minute is up. Share the, share your name and then something you savor. Paint a picture with words and include all your senses like I did. Share specific details about that place you love. Make us love it too. We will have, we will give you 60 second warning before we bring you back to the main room. The person living, living closest to the boundary waters in the Northern Minnesota goes first. Megan? Yes, welcome back everyone. So as we did before, we're gonna take two or three people to share. Maybe you heard someone in your breakout room describe what they savor and you like to ask them to share with us. Who would like to share or who would like to ask someone in their breakout room to share? Hi, everyone. Um, so I think what was really interesting was that everybody in my breakout room spoke about something natural. Um, I had been, uh, I'm a, I'm a pilot and I had a chance to fly over the Grand Canyon. Um, Chad, uh, lives in, in Raleigh and has the opportunity to sort of visit nature almost on a daily basis. And Peyton, uh, living in LA finds the green spaces, uh, where she can. And I think that's all very valuable. Um, just having those different perspectives and being able to sort of find natural beauty, regardless of the circumstances environment they're in. Thank you for sharing, Darwin. That's great. Uh, Sue? Oh, you're muted, Sue. I live in Southwest Florida, and I know Salemi does too. Um, and I enjoy just being out on a boat when it's quiet, either a boat with the engine off or a kayak and listening to the birds and watching, watching to see dolphins and manatees and it's just so peaceful. Um, I live near lots of mangrove islands. So we're just listening and feeling and smelling the salt air. It's, it's just wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Sue. And so good to see you here. Uh, James, and we're just going to have to take James as the last one. But please don't stop yourself from sharing in the chat. We we'll still want to hear what you have to say. James? I apologize for the camera off. I'm a little bit under the weather. But the Mississippi River, I live here in Maryland, and the Mississippi River is drying up um, from where I'm originally from, southeast Missouri, on the border of Tennessee and Arkansas. It has far reached the devastating consequences that's impacting the local region and the entire nation. So we're talking about like ecological disasters, agricultural crisis, economic consequences, water scarcity, loss of terrorism, recreation and increased flooding risk and the impact on climate and social health and impact. My grandfather made a living by working on a barge on the Mississippi River. But for him being able to work, was able to provide food and a roof over our head as a family. But this is also critical to the environment and those living animals that, um, that lives and habitat among the Mississippi River. Traveling from Maryland to back home to Missouri and seeing the Mississippi River drought is quite concerning. We're losing uh, habitats for numerous species uh, that disrupt entire food chains, agriculture crisis for those that uh, own farmland um, to be able to provide food to the local community and the nation's supply, such as those with soybeans, corn, and cotton. There are economic consequences, uh, the transportation routes from, uh, like I mentioned, my grandfather with the barges traveling back and forth, the water scarcity, 
uh, providing fresh drinking water for industry use and agriculture, the the tourism and recreation for those that travel to be able to see the mighty Mississippi River is not muddy as it was 10, 20, and 30, and 40 years ago. So these type of impacts um, are some things that I savor and reason why I savor them is because of the impact they have on families, that it has on communities, that it has on biolife, that it has on farmland and agricultural land that we use to be able to survive um, on this planet. Thank you. Thank you, James. All right, so let me, I'm gonna take it from here and if you'll move us to the next slide, there we go. When our founder, Marshall Saunders, was just starting CCL, he attended church one Sunday and heard a sermon that really inspired him. He shared a piece of that sermon in the very first climate advocate training that he led in 2007, and it's been part of our training ever since. The story in the sermon is about an astronaut, Rusty Schweikert, and I'm going to read that excerpt to you today because I also find it incredibly meaningful. Sometimes something occurs in our lives that shifts our perspective and gives us a greater appreciation for the things we savor. That shift occurred during Apollo 9 when Rusty Schweikert was let out of the capsule on an umbilical cord. Usually, NASA keeps the astronauts compulsively busy up there. But a peculiar thing happened to Schweikert. Just as he emerged from the capsule, something went wrong within the capsule. Both Mission Control in Houston and the remaining astronauts had to concentrate on this problem. This left Rusty all alone, floating around Mother Earth in complete cosmic silence. During this time, Rusty had two profound conversion experiences. He looked back on Mother Earth, quote, a shining gem against a totally black backdrop, and realized everything he cherished was on that gem his family and land, music and human history with its folly and its grandeur. He was so overcome that he wanted to quote, hug and kiss that gem like a mother does her firstborn child. Compassion flowed through him. Trained as a jet fighter pilot, he was a typical macho man, but a breakthrough of something bigger came washing over him that moment in space. Schweikert's second awakening in space was a political one. He was a red, white, and blue American who believed what he had always been taught, that the world was divided between the communist world and the free world. Yet, while floating around Mother Earth, he saw that rivers flowed indiscriminately between Russia and Europe, that ocean currents served communist, socialist, and capitalist nations alike, that clouds did not stop at borders to test for political ideology and that there are no nations. Nations exist in the mind of the human race alone. On returning to NASA, Schweikert was not debriefed by any spiritual director about his mystical experiences. He confesses to having wandered about in a state of stupor for six months, bumping into walls while asking himself repeatedly this one question, why did God do this to me? Finally, he concluded that God did this through him so that others might hear the message. What message? Compassion, interdependence, shared beauty on this shining, glistening planet, the holy earth, we must take such care of it. It must take such care of us. This side of heaven, 
We are each of us so nearly all the other has. There is darkness all around us, yet between us, there is just enough light to get by. Next slide, please. I remember hearing that story about Rusty Schweikert in the climate advocate training workshop that I hosted in my living room in Richmond, Virginia in February of 2011. CCL's director, Mark Reynolds, who's on the call with us today, flew out from San Diego, California to lead the workshop. Seven people attended, crowded into my very small living room. We were the first CCL chapter in Virginia and only the 27th chapter in the whole world. After the chapter launch, I hosted house parties in which friends ate cheese, drank wine, and wrote to their members of Congress. I tabled at an environmental film festival and farmer's markets and got more people to write to Congress and consider joining our chapter. I wrote letters to the editor, met with the editorial board, and convinced them to write editorial articles encouraging Congress to lead. They printed our letters and opinion pieces too, and eventually wrote a front page above the fold story about my backyard chickens and my volunteering with CCL. That first June, I took a week's vacation from work. I left my husband and young children at home and attended the conference and lobby day in Washington, DC. I will always remember the sense of community during that first conference, the loss of isolation, the disappearance of despair as I made new friends from across the country and had the profound, almost spiritual experience of lobbying. Sitting on the cold marble floors in the halls of Congress at the end of that first long, long day of lobbying, my mind and body was full of that lobby day experience. The words from the workshop echoed in my head. On returning to NASA, Schweikert was not debriefed by any spiritual director about his mystical experiences. He confesses to having wandered about in a state of stupor for six months, bumping into walls while asking himself repeatedly this one question, why did God do this to me? That was me wandering about in a state of stupor, bumping into the walls of those congressional office buildings on Capitol Hill after that first lobbying day, lobbying my Congress for climate solutions with lots of other CCL volunteers. It took me quite a while to completely understand the power of that profound experience. After you complete our workshop today, you will have the training we want you to have in order to join a CCL lobby team next week. You deserve that same transformative, wall-bumping, soul-searching experience that Rusty had in space and that we all have when lobbying Congress. So let me, back to you to tell us about our mission. Next slide. Thank you, Ellie. At CCL, we have two-part mission. First, we want to create the political will for a livable world. We know that politicians don't create political will. They respond to it. Therefore, it's our job to create political will to solve climate change. Every day, I'm, I, I'm tempted to give up, in, uh, on our, give up on our politicians, especially right now with our political landscape. But I, I remember myself that it's my job as a constituent to create so much political will that our elected officials don't have other option but to do whatever we ask them to do. And I will add, if not now, who, and if not us, when? We focus on Congress a lot because CCL, when Congress act, exerts a huge leverage on the entire country and the entire world. 
and climate change is a global issue. And we also work in our communities and our local governments because in addition to the local gains, we can make that way our national politicians keep a close eye on what's happening in their districts or state as part of their constant evaluation of the political will that is happening in their local community. And so our local works trickle upwards to them. I want to acknowledge that people, that many people across the political spectrum are deeply discouraged about the state of our government and our politics. Beyond Disgusted was the headline in recent newspaper story about the dysfunctionality of Congress. It's a big, hard thing to ask people to focus on getting Congress to do its job. I ask myself all the time if I'm crazy to think that we can make a difference, but I always decide to keep going because stopping is not an option. We know from our lobby meetings with members of Congress and their staff that there are many good people working in government who want to make a difference and who want to who find their heart to keep working in that kind of environment. And yet we want to be thoughtful people who care, we want that thoughtful people who care to stay in Congress. When we meet with them, we model what is to be a good member of our democracy. We're respectful, we listen, we look for common ground, and we try to help them. As the old saying went, we are being the change we want to see in our democracy. It's not easy. Although we all like and want it to be faster, we know that we are asking for big changes in order to stabilize the, the climate. And we are in it for the long run, and we're never going to give up. It's just that important. And that's why we need to support each other to keep going in those difficult times, especially right now, and find ways to work on the issues that are sustainable for us personally. That brings us to the second part of our mission. The second part of our mission, and the second part of our mission is to empower people to have press breakthroughs in personal and political power. Let me say that again, to empower people to have breakthrough in their personal and political power. That power happens when we move outside our comfort zone. We like to say outside of our comfort zone is where the magic happens. Who is up for joining us to move outside of your comfort zone and make some magic happen in Congress? You can, you can say yes in the chat. We would like to hear if you're ready for this task because we're gonna be loving tomorrow, starting tomorrow, so. And with that, I pass it out to you, Ellie. Awesome, thank you. Next slide. Uh, um, people ready. Yeah, so I'm gonna just say, as we start working through this slide, then Megan, you'll need to set up 35 rooms. I think we went about 35 rooms and Allison, in answer to your question, no. Um, all right, so when I first joined CCL, I heard the story about Gandhi and General Smuts in South Africa. I think this is an amazing story about stepping outside of one's comfort zone. Now you might know about Mahatma Gandhi's efforts to end British rule in India. Before that, Gandhi was a young lawyer who fought for the rights of Indians in South Africa. 
I like to imagine Gandhi at home with his wife in India, maybe, I mean, in South Africa, maybe writing letters home to India in the dark evenings by lantern light. I imagine this was Gandhi's comfort zone. But in order to secure more rights for Indians, Gandhi knew he needed to come toe to toe with the head of the Transvaal government, General Jan Smuts. And so he addressed that head on, actually requesting and securing a meeting with General Smuts. In a biography of Gandhi, there's a retelling of their first of many meetings. And the first meeting goes something like this. Imagine Gandhi, a short man, five foot tall, wearing traditional Indian garb. In contrast, General Smuts stood towering over him, a tall man over six feet, dressed head to toe in full military regalia with medals of honor and rank adorning his chest and shoulders. When they met for the first time, Gandhi walked over, looked up into Smuts' eyes and quietly announced, I've come to tell you that I'm going to fight against your government. Looking down and laughing, Smuts replied, oh, really? Do you have anything else to tell me? Gandhi said, yes, I am going to prevail. Smuts snickered and said, and how are you going to do that? Gandhi smiled and replied, with your help. Ultimately, Gandhi won the general's respect and friendship. In 1914, South Africa repealed the laws most offensive to the Indians and voted basic civil rights into law. The two actually became friends in old age. Gandhi had courage and determination. He refused to take undue advantage of his adversaries, and he had an endless capacity to stick it out without yielding and without retaliation. We share those values and seek to foster the characteristics within ourselves that help us build relationships to solve problems and find common ground. This story about Gandhi and General Smuts speaks to our theory of power. Sadly, there are many people these days who work by appealing to the worst parts of human nature and hope to force their will on everyone else. But generally, those changes lead to backlash. And I believe most people are tired of that, but don't yet have a way to show that they want something different. Alternatively, we can work by persistently appealing to the best parts of human nature by building relationships, seeking common ground, and bringing forth good and creative solutions to our problems. We prefer the latter, and we work for something rather than against. This approach helps us to become better people ourselves. It's sometimes described as being nice, but it's really not niceness we're after. It's the long-lasting change that happens by changing hearts and minds. It's hard and worthy work. And Drew, we're going to skip through the next slide and go to the, the slide where it says, when did I open a door? So we're going to skip that video, friends. All right. So we're going to give you some time to connect with memories where you uh, inspired someone else to do something good, like Gandhi inspired General Smuts. Now, I know you're not Gandhi and I'm not Gandhi, and we aren't up against the government of South Africa, but the Hill seems just as large, I think, for us to get Congress to solve climate change as it was to get the South African government to listen to Indians about their civil rights. Um, so while I'm talking about this, I want to make sure Megan's getting the breakout room set up. 
fresh set of breakout rooms, Megan, if you would. We're going to have three people per room. You're going to get five minutes per breakout room. And this is one of the more difficult breakout rooms. So be patient with yourself. And um, but think, can you think of a time in your family, um, in your professional life, in your community? Sometimes for me, I just think about my work when I was working elsewhere besides CCL, I was doing fundraising for nonprofits. That was my career for 15 years before CCL. And I uh, remember writing wonderful little newsletter articles or fundraising letters. I couldn't make anyone donate, but I could convey to the best of my ability the needs in our community and the difference our nonprofit was making. And the ability that I was offering for these people to be part of that effort to make a difference in their community. And I sent those appeals out and always got a significant response, not from everyone every time, but always enough to get the job done. So that's my uh, per one of my personal experiences of, of living in that theory of power that we have in CCL, where we are empowering others to step up to the plate. So we're gonna go ahead and have Megan open up the breakout room. And thank you, Allison, for putting the prompt in the chat. And um, we'll give you five minutes to share. We're gonna give you four minutes and then have a 60 second warning. So we'll bring you back. The person living closest to the Olympic Peninsula in Washington state goes first this time. All right, to the breakout rooms. There we go. Hello, everybody, welcome back. All right, good to see you. Who would like to share something from their breakout room or do you have someone in your breakout room that you would like to nudge to do a share? Okay, hear me okay? Yep, you're good. Great, I just wanted to share that my wife and I had the opportunity to do um, real, real grassroots politicking for the first time after retirement last fall. And we had an opportunity to work uh, with uh, support for a state senator in Minnesota. And uh, we worked really hard and it was door knocking that we'd never done before. And it was, it was pretty uncomfortable, but it had a really incredible outcome. So uh, I just want to share that um, the message was that uh, our guy won, he flipped the Senate. We had a trifecta in Minnesota and we passed more consequential climate and social legislation than it had ever happened. And um, it's the message that you as one individual can really make a difference. Um, it doesn't always seem like that, but um, believe me, people really do count. Awesome, thank you, Michael. And then Ben, go ahead, Ben. Um, so I'm, I'm in a unique position, I'm blind. I carry a white cane, so everybody sees me coming. And I feel like uh, many people see that and they see me as weak or lesser than, and so I'm not a threat. And they let me get a little bit closer. And I like to ask open-ended questions so I can learn more about people. And in asking those open-ended questions, I'm able to get close to them. And usually they'll confide some problem that they're facing or something that's going on in their family. And I'm also wide, widely read and know a lot. So occasionally I'm able to kind of plant a seed and I've seen that seed change and then there are other people who just look at me and they see what I'm able to do and they tell me that I inspire them. I get a lot of 
like I, I like to say, I get a lot of that. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just find it's all, all, all you really need is the little seed to get someone to change. It's not like you have to be a cheerleader or, or push, you know, it's just a little tiny bit. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate that share. And then Jamie, there... you'll be our last share. So like I mentioned before, I'm an ambassador for the World Wildlife Fund. <laughs> Sorry, it was like, just like came really loud on my side. Um, and kind of what I do is in Florida and my community kind of just like focus on a lot of, you know, the issues that we're having and spread awareness to them and get the community involved and everything. So obviously living in Florida, being right along the coast, as I'm sure Salemi knows, you know, we're right by the ocean. We see what's happening with our oceans and our waters right here. So um, what I did was I did a plastic seminar and talked about not just like the big plastics, but the microplastics and stuff that you don't really hear about, like what happens to it in 10 years or 50 years and how is it affecting biodiversity and ultimately, you know, us. And I was able to go to a high school with it and talk to a you know, all eight periods. And I got to really inspire my, a lot of my community to really reconsider their plastic use and reconsider just making the switch from, you know, um, plastic bags to reusable bags. Um, got my family to hop on the bandwagon. And now my mom, you know, used to use those like plastic cups for everything. And she doesn't use those anymore. She, or if she does, she'll like keep reusing the same one. So I was able to, you know, get get kind of everyone around me really mindful about it. So that's been my little recent inspiration um, to kind of keep going to is seeing that really great feedback from others. Awesome, thank you, I love that. That's thank beautiful. You. All right, so let me over to you. All right, so yesterday, Ellie and Drew covered a few things on the World Ledger's informational session. I will run through those quickly and refer to the info session for more details. First of all, Ellie and Drew covered the activities that volunteers do in CCL. They describe the way we organize in our communities across the country with our volunteers working as teams with local chapters, focusing in five areas of political leverage a loving Congress, media relationships, grassroots outreach to your local community, grassroots engagement with local representatives, local leaders and groups, chapter and volunteer development. And they describe the various activities involved like lobby meetings, writing Congress, writing letters to the editors, tabling presentations, meeting with local leaders and building your chapter. Some of you shared those actions, but I would like to hear again, and please use the chat to tell us which political will of this one's in the screen would you like to learn a little more and try out in your chapter. All right, next slide, Drew. They also cover CCL core volunteers, I mean, core values. I love this one because these are the way we always grant ourselves in our advocacy. We focus, uh, integrity, optimism, diversity, personal power, my favorite, relationships, and being nonpartisan. And you all can share which of these values resonate the most with you and why using the chat. We want to hear from you. And they review also CCL policy agendas, which include policies that are effective in reducing net emissions and building bridges both in Congress and our communities. 
you share you you share which of these policy areas uh, appeals most to you and why. And you can use the chat to do this again. We have carbon pricing, which we have been working for many years on healthy forests, building electrification and efficiency and clean energy permitting reform. If you miss the biggest informational session yesterday, please join us this, this upcoming Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We offer the info session every week on Wednesday evening. Please invite your friends and family who might be interested in CCL to check us out at our informational session. Ellie's going to put in the chat the link. And if you're not connected with your local chapter yet, please email us at membership at citizensclimatelobby.org so we can help you get connected with your local chapter. Awesome. Next slide. We're going to take a break, a five-minute break. You have five minutes. Uh, it's three minutes after. Come back by seven minutes after. We're going to start promptly at eight minutes after. And um, go ahead. I'm going to pause the recording. All right. Welcome back, everyone. The time has come to prepare and practice for your lobby meeting. Over the next hour and a half, we will move through the following agenda. First, we will cover CCL's one rule. We will share our primary ask, which is the request that we will be making these lobby meetings in November. We will review a standard lobby meeting agenda and discuss the various roles CCLers assume in the lobby meetings. And you will actually get a chance to practice a lobby meeting with an experienced CCL volunteer who will play the role of member of Congress. And then we will debrief all together. All right, next slide. At CCL, we don't have a lot of rules for our volunteers. In fact, we trust you implicitly, implicitly to show up as a CCLer in alignment with our shared values, following CCL's model, and exploring our theory of power. We do, however, ask that when you meet with your member of Congress, you find something you can respect, admire, and appreciate about them, and you let them know at the beginning of the meeting. You start the meeting with a message of appreciation for your member of Congress. If you find that impossible to do, that's okay. For some of us, coming to that perspective of respect, admiration, and appreciation might be too difficult. And if that is the case for you, then we invite you to do other tasks in the chapter, take on other actions within your chapter, find other leadership roles in CCL, and simply bow out of the lobby meetings. This is our one and only rule and it has to do with lobby meetings. So I'm gonna share a story of how this impacts our lobby meetings. About a decade ago, a group of CCLers had a meeting scheduled with their member of Congress in DC. We call that a face-to-face -face meeting when we get to meet with the actual member of Congress rather than their aide. So those volunteers had their face-to-face -face meeting scheduled during our June lobby day in DC. They had thought about what they could respect, admire, and appreciate about their member of Congress. Most of the volunteers were from one political party. The member of Congress was from the other political party. The volunteers weren't sure they could find something to thank him for. They finally settled on thanking him for the work he had done to restore the river that ran through their city. They arrived at the member's office in the congressional office building. The receptionist greeted them. 
An aide brought them into a crowded office filled with cubicles for all of the interns and aides and had the volunteers sit in a small round table in the corner. The aide then told them that their representative was not available to meet with them after all, and the aide would be filling in. Our CCLers decided to share their appreciation of the member of Congress anyway, asking that the aide relay their gratitude. They proceeded to mention his work on the river restoration. Then from behind the cubicles came a booming voice. I was proud of that work I did to restore the river and out walked the member of Congress, arms high, reaching out to shake their hand. He had been hiding behind the cubicle walls, maybe fearing that a group of environmentalists would be yelling at him about their disappointment. Instead, he was pleasantly surprised by our volunteers and their gratitude. In addition to disarming our elected officials, starting with gratitude helps us to see the best in them. Personally, it helps me to take the chip off my shoulder. If I'm going to ask my member of Congress to lead, I need to have a flicker of a belief in my heart that they could. Next slide. So we're gonna use the chat now to share what you respect, admire, and appreciate about your member of Congress. You've got two senators and one representative in the House. You can share about each of them, or you can pick one of them. I would challenge you to pick the most difficult one for yourself. And Allison has put the link in the chat. If you don't know who your House member is, you can click on that link and enter your zip code, maybe your whole address. You'll need that to figure out who your House member is. And just take a minute to think about that. What can you respect, admire, and appreciate about your members of Congress? Even the ones who make you grumpy from time to time. Yeah, Lee, go ahead and click on that link if you can and enter your zip code in that form. And that will help you figure out who your member of Congress is. Tara says, they do a wonderful job representing the Atlanta area Georgians. They have been responsive regarding environmental asks. Awesome. Allison, Lee Allison has put that link for you there. Jamie says, I respect that my member of Congress is trying hard to find a solution for our poor water quality around the Siesta Key area. Oh, I know water quality is such a critical issue in Florida, Southern Florida, especially. Pelosi is Lee's. All right. Tamara says, I appreciate my senator's commitment to working across the aisle. Steve says, being an impeachment manager was pretty great of Steve, of Jerry Nadler. Deborah says, Jared Golden has a had a change of heart about gun ownership of late that I admire. Pat, so you can see folks can admire something unrelated to climate. It does not have, your admiration does not have to link to climate. Uh, Patty says, I respect his work to get elected to the House at the age of 38 and grateful that he had joined the Bipartisan Climate Solutions Caucus. Also, awesome, a young leader. Uh, Ellie says, one of our senators doesn't engage on climate much, much, but they recently tweeted a strong climate message. Love that. Oh, you love the tweet. <laughs> That's awesome. That would let them know you're keeping an eye on them in social media. Nick said, Nicholas says, Schumer, he's done what he can in the Senate as leader. Gillibrand, very open in her communication and works hard at, for the state. And Velasquez says, I need to learn more about her. Yes, so this is good. If you don't know much about your member of Congress, 
then it is perfectly fine to have that situation and you can do some research. All right, so feel free to keep thinking about that and adding uh, your comments to the chat. We're going to move on and uh, Rashid, I see your hands up, but we're gonna go ahead and move on in the interest of time. So Salemi, take us uh, to that next slide, Drew. One more slide there, there we go, that's it. Salemi, over to you. All right, so let's take a close look at the CCL primary as leave behind for the big wire side. We're going to talk you through the HANA, which your lobby team can use in your lobby meetings. I'm actually lobbying for that one. In our lobby meetings, we limit the amount of material we give to the members of Congress or the staff. In fact, we encourage you to avoid giving them materials unless they ask for a specific materials. They're overwhelmed as it is with so many things to read. There is one exception to this recommendation, the primary ads leave behind. As the name suggests, we want to leave behind a hangout with the member of Congress and their aides. So let's go over this hangout as we help you understand the Big Wires Act and what it is that you're asking of your representative and senators this month. Next slide. First, we start with the understanding that interregional electric transmission provides the foundation for affordable, reliable energy. You may already know this fact, the U.S. does not have one national grid. We have many grids lumped together into three interconnections. The Eastern Interconnection, with, which operates in states east of the Rocky Mountains and is comprised itself of six regional grids, the Western Interconnection, which covers the Pacific Ocean to the Rocky Mountain states, and the Texas Interconnected System. The Big Wires Act is one tool for helping these grids work more cooperatively to ensure that power gets to where it's needed most at the most critical times. Next slide. When we look globally at interregional transmission, we can see that North America is falling way behind. You can see we're the little one way over on the right. Since 2014, North America has built only seven gigawatts of large scale interregional transmission compared to the 44 gigawatts in Europe and the 260 gigawatts in China during the same time. Next slide, there you go. Many of us have experienced firsthand the impacts of American transition shortfall, especially our friends in Texas. How many of you have suffered grid outages, increased energy prices? I know I have. You can do, you can respond on the chat if you like. Who has wondered why their power company is not addressing the problem? I can tell you that existing markets and regulation structures often fail to provide developers the right incentives and do not have addressed the problem. So how do we begin to solve the problem? We can take a first step by requiring regions to be able to transfer 30% of their peak demand between regions. This is what the building integrated grid with interregional energy supply, Big Wires Act does. All right, next slide. In big wires, each region gets to decide how they will achieve this objective. They have a full suite of tools available, including building new transmission lines, upgrading existing facilities, 
building new generation or storage that frees up capacity to move power, installing grid enhancing technologies like advanced power flow controls or dynamic line ratings, promoting energy efficiency to reduce peak demand. The regions themselves are responsible for deciding who builds and pays for the new transmission lines. The bill does not apply to the Texas Interconnect except at the discretion of its grid operator, and it sets a lower bar for regions with lower capacity. Next slide, benefits, there we go. By instituting a new minimum transfer requirement, we would see an increase in reliability. With more power flowing between regions, each region becomes more stable, adding a layer of defense against extreme weather events like Winter Storm Elliott, which in 2022 left hundreds of thousands of Americans in the dark in some grid regions, even as nearby grids kept their lights on. Next slide. The expanded traffic capabilities with dramatically lower energy prices for Americans. Department of Energy National Lab research find that hundreds of millions of dollars per transmission line per year in savings will become available across the country. A separate 2021 National Lab study found large regional lines paying for themselves multiple times over and over again. In the line with the real world, in line with real world experience in the Midwest. Drew, can you go back a slide? Go back a little bit there, Drew. Back, 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 back. There you go. Nope. Go forward. There we go. There. All right. The big wireless is tech neutral, allowing for elected officials across the country to feel comfortable supporting this bill. We are seeing coal slowly phasing out and renewables increasing as this graph indicates. That is, that is encouraging for all of us who wants to solve the climate crisis. All right, now go to the next slide. The Big Wires Act legislation represents a win-win scenario. Energy rich communities benefit and American families and businesses see fewer grid outages while energy bills go down. Everyone benefits from a more affordable, reliable, resilient grid. So let's look at the Democrats with the next slide. If your member of Congress is a Democrat, they will likely appreciate the increased reliability and resilience, reducing blackout risks, improving national security benefits, and the reduced costs, the lower energy costs, because more transmission means we can build more solar and wind energy, which is the cheapest form of energy. Regions with less clean energy can import it, and regions selling it can sell it and make a profit. Their wind and solar farms have a bigger market. Democrats will also likely value the fact that Big Wires Act will speed up decarbonization of the economy by making room for clean energy to more quickly enter the grid. And the next slide, so let me tell us about Republicans. If your member is Republican, they might appreciate the increased reliability and resilient aspect as well, and reduce costs and technology neutral guidance, which means this bill applies to any type of electric generation. And many Republicans like to say, I support all of the above when it comes to energy. Republicans will also feel like, we also like the fact that this bill will have no cost to the government. Instead, utilities and project developers will pay for the infrastructure build out and pass the cost 
to consumers. Although cost to utilities and development will be more than offset because of increased grid efficiency and trading energy back and forward reduced costs, also each region needs to build less infrastructure. Republicans will also like the flexibility for the states and regions. The regions themselves are responsible for deciding how to meet the goal. Awesome, next slide. Okay, so we're gonna take a couple of minutes for questions. So Lemmy and I will do our best to answer. We are not the uh, DC team, we are not the policy team, so we're gonna do our best to answer. Uh, feel free to raise your hand. Dan, go ahead. There we go, sorry about that. There's a primary ask and a secondary ask, right? My my understanding is the primary ask is uh, the Big Wires Act, right? Do I have that correct? Yes, the Big okay. Wires Act, we're covering the primary ask on this training. Right, and then there's two secondary asks. One is, it's a, it's an abbreviation. I can't remember what it's called. TSP, OTSP, uh -huh. I think it is. Yep, and the RISE Act. And then yeah. the RISE, gotcha, okay. Um, can, do we have time to go over the, just the basics, like the the uh, the one pagers for each, like the what are the benefits for, for the primary, the one primary and the, and the two secondaries? Uh, we don't have time for that on this call. But uh, Allison will track down those secondary ask one pagers, and we also have training that you can watch uh, later this afternoon on the secondary asks. But you're okay. right, Dan. We we have the thanks, primary yeah. ask and secondary asks. Okay, awesome. great. Thanks. All right, Jana. Well, I was just wondering why uh, Texas ERCOT got a pass on this. Uh, is there somewhere I can go to read about it? Because I'm in that area, and uh, I just wonder if they thought that. Texas politicians, it would be too big of a hurdle for them to uh, support. Yeah. Texas sees themselves as somewhat special with their grid. That said, there is support already for this bill from Texas lawmakers. So simply putting that exception in there allows them to be supportive and to sort of join of their own volition rather than being forced. So um, Putting yeah. it as a requirement for Texas would probably then uh, arm alarm the Texas delegation in Congress. So this is a way to allow them some breathing room. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so say say this bill gets passed, right? Uh, and say a region fails to comply. Uh, who would be responsible for that non-compliance and what is the punishment for non-compliance? Uh, I believe it's after two years, if a region is not complying, then FERC steps in. And uh, so it's sort of a stopgap. You can do it on your own. We'll give you a little time. But if you don't, FERC will step in to um, take care of it. Yes, FERC, two years. I'm getting some cheers in the chat there on that. Oscar, you also asked in the in the chat, you know, if, if cost increases, I, I answered your question. Uh, yes, it will be best to consumers, but it will be, you know, offset by the by the, the efficiency of the grid and re the reduced cost that these utility companies are gonna have by being able to transfer energy between states. Good, all right. Very good. Okay, so let's move on 
to preparing ourselves for the lobby meeting and understanding the bits and pieces of that. We've got a video to look at uh, that demonstrates a, a pretend lobby meeting. This is not an actual lobby meeting. These are unpaid actors, CCL volunteers, just like you. So let's go ahead and watch that video. John, we really appreciate your meeting with us today. And thank you. Please thank the Congresswoman for her support of the Growing Climate Solutions Act. Your voice really matters to us. We really want to hear what you have to say on climate. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll be sure to share your kind words with the Congresswoman. Thank you for taking that back to the Congresswoman. And we were hoping today to talk about the carbon border adjustment mechanisms and also to figure out how we can help you with your goals. And to do that, we wanted to know how do you think we could best approach our common goals of protecting the environment and our children? Uh, well, I, I think the Congresswoman would say that the best way to protect our kids is to keep the economy strong and make sure their parents have good jobs. Yes, it sounds to me like uh, you're concerned about jobs and the economy. At the same time, the Congresswoman has said that she's concerned about competition with China. Oh, yeah, she's very concerned about that. I think maybe something we could both support could create a trade benefit for U.S. companies. Bills that have a carbon border adjustment mechanism give a trade advantage to U.S. companies because U.S. manufacturers are innovative and already use cleaner manufacturing processes. It would enable us to have more manufacturing jobs over here in the United States. Would the Congresswoman be interested in supporting such a bill? Well, I'm sure she'd be willing to take a look at that. Um, if you could send over some more information, I'll, I'd, I'd be happy to pass it on. We can definitely make that happen. We'll get you that information soon. Thank you, John. Thank you, it's good to see you all. Thank you so much. Drew, get us back to that slide deck there and click to that next slide. So we have CCLers Beth, Lisa, and Arlene demonstrating some effective communication techniques in their meeting with John, the congressional staffer. Beth started by affirming the staff member, thanking them for passing previous information along to the member of Congress. The volunteers had done their research like um, we encourage you to do. They knew what concerns the member of Congress had and kept those in mind during the meeting. They asked open-ended questions, allowing for John to give answers more revealing and dynamic than a simple yes or no. The team reflected back to the staff what they had heard him say. They found common ground and connected the concerns of the member of Congress with the particular solution they were pitching. And they ended the meeting with a promise to follow up with additional information that the staffer wanted. And this is allowing the relationship to continue. So next slide. We encourage you to do your research and your member of Congress big time. Find out what they consider to be their accomplishment. Learn what annoys them so you avoid the topic during lobby meetings. Investigate local impacts of climate change. Learn how the policy you're advocating for will impact the district or the state and review previous CCL meetings, which you can access via your congressional liaison. Oops, you've gotten ahead of the game again, Drew. Get us back. One more slide back. All right. We'll just tell you when to advance. Don't worry about guessing. Go ahead, Salemi. 
All right. So before, before you get into your lobby meetings, figure out who's going to send a thank you note after the meeting. If you're meeting in person in June lobby day, a CCLer can bring a blank thank you note that your team can sign promptly after the meeting ends. If you're meeting virtually like this November, someone can create a virtual thank you note that everybody can sign. Awesome. Next slide. CCL has identified eight different roles in a lobby meeting. Depending on the size of the lobby team, an individual may fill multiple roles. So next slide. Those roles are, the first one is the leader of the meeting. Allison, you can put this list in the chat if you would. The second is the appreciator. Third is the time monitor. Fourth is the note taker. Number five is the asker. Six is the deliverer. Seven is follow up and eight is tech support. Okay, good, Allison's got that in the chat. So next slide, yep, stay right there on that slide, Drew. Uh, we can think of the leader like the conductor. They're there to manage, not dominate the meeting. They don't talk the most. They empower others to share and participate. They keep the conversation on track and wrap up when appropriate. Then the next slide, Drew. The appreciator shares what they respect, admire, and appreciate about the member of Congress, helping to set a positive example and tone for the meeting. Next slide, Salemi. All right, so someone keeps the meeting on time. They also monitor the percent of time CCL and the member of Congress or staff talk with a target of 50 and 50%. And they tally the number of open-ending questions our team asks for the meeting minutes. We look for an experienced volunteer to take notes or the meeting minutes. They follow the thread of the conversation, specifically capturing what was said by the member of Congress or the staffer. If you don't ask for something, you will never get it. So one volunteer assumes the role of the asker. They present CCL purpose and ask, if possible, this is someone, you wanna have someone who has a strong grasp of our policy and its wider implications. And you become, you can become that expert by following all the trainings we have in community and leave the asker, and let the asker leave behind a handout describing the ask. And remember all of those letters to the editor that you and your chapter got printed in the past six months, someone on the team delivers those letters to the editor along with any endorsements from local respected leaders. You've planned the follow-up in advance. So the person doing the follow-up sends follow-up meeting materials and thank you card. If the person who is doing the follow-up is not the CCL liaison, they should coordinate the follow-up items with the CCL congressional liaison soon after the meeting. And if you're on a Zoom meeting, be sure to have someone who feels comfortable providing tech support. We invite everyone to speak while keeping in mind that constituents and trusted messengers will likely be the most meaningful to the member of Congress. Now, a good meeting is like a story. It has a beginning, middle, and end. In the beginning, we offer thanks and ask how much time they have for us. We introduce ourselves, share our appreciation, and state our purpose and mention our ask. In the middle, we exchange thoughts. Oops, go back, Drew. And listen to, we, we exchange thoughts 
listen, ask open-ended questions, and aim to move them forward in action. At the end, we return to our ask unless they have already indicated they won't help, in which case we propose the secondary ask, the supporting ask, which is less of a stretch for them. We clarify any questions and indicate our follow-up. Uh, if you can put that in the chat for us, Allison, there we go. And then we'll move to the next slide where Salemi is going to go deeper into these. So let's run through one. Let's run through this one more time. First, we thank the member of Congress or the staff for meeting with us. Then the, the timekeeper confirmed the amount of time we have for the meeting. We introduce ourselves briefly. If the meeting is with the staffer for the first time, we want them to tell us a little bit about themselves. Next, we express appreciation for something that they have done recently. It doesn't have to be about climate or the environment. Some then explains our purpose to create political will for a livable world and briefly state our request. Letting them know that you will be circling back to our ass at the end of the meeting, but first we want to hear about their concerns and thoughts. Then moving into the middle of the meeting, we ask open-ending questions that invite them to share their thoughts related to the primarians. If you're set, if you sense or anticipate resistance, you can use these following questions. What might be preventing the representative from supporting our legislation? Who in your district we will have to convince about the merits of our proposal to win your support? What's your preferred plan to lower emissions? Having done your research, you probably be you probably be able to anticipate what you think their responses might be. After a lot of listening toward the ends of the meeting, make the ask. Or if they indicate that they're not ready to introduce or support our policy, then introduce a secondary request as a building block. Allow them, to, allow them time to respond to the ask. You can then offer additional materials, ask if they would like them in a hard copy or electronic, ask how and then should you follow up? You can always ask who they work with in the other side of the aisle and thank them for their time as you end the meeting promptly on time. Your timekeeper should be able to give you a heads up before the time, the time is off. Wonderful. All right. So that next slide, Drew. So we've got some CCL volunteers who have been joining this call, folks who've been around the block for a time or two. They are going to be your pretend member of Congress in some practice lobby meetings. You'll see that they have MOC in front of their name. That's member of Congress. We use that interchangeably. MOC, member of Congress. You're going to get 40 minutes with them. They're also a bit of a mentor. Like I said, they've been around for a while. So I'm going to give you 10 minutes to start off with any Q&A, anything you had a question about that we've covered so far today, you can ask these folks, they know so much. Um, no, CCL does not have a membership cost. Yes, you're welcome to donate if you like. Uh, so uh, we're, you're going to have 10 minutes for Q&A with your mentor, your pretend member of Congress. Then you're gonna have 10 minutes to get yourselves organized. So who's going to be the note taker? Who is going to be the meeting lead? Just jump right in. Somebody's got to step up to be the meeting lead. Don't, don't worry too much about who that is. 
assign those other roles. Some people might take on more than one role, review the agenda, consider what questions, what open-ended questions you might ask. Your pretend member of Congress is going to do a, a little survey to find out how many of you have Democrats in the House, how many of you have Republicans, and whatever the majority is, that's what that um, your mock member of Congress will beco become. They will either become a Republican or a Democrat based on what the ratio looks like in your among your team in the breakout room. Okay, then you're going to do that lobby meeting for 10 minutes. And yes, lobby meetings are usually longer than 10 minutes, although there have been very short lobby meetings in the hallway of Congress. Then you've got 10 minutes to debrief. So this is 40 minutes in total, broken down, like we've described there. And uh, Allison has put that, what I've just described for you in the chat with some points for you to help with each of those sections. And I think Megan has the rooms ready. Are you ready with the breakout rooms, Megan? And so I'd love to hear what was it like for you to have those lobby meetings, those pretend lobby meetings? What were you feeling? How did it go? Go ahead and raise your hand and we will um, allow a few folks to share. Tara and then Jean and then Frederick. Okay, it really helped to calm my nerves. We had um, Flannery Winchester as our representative um, and, and just watching how that worked. I kept time, but that allowed me to also kind of see the mechanics of it. So I feel confident going into the lobby meeting tomorrow. Confidence tomorrow. Awesome. We're glad you got trained today. All right, Jean and then Frederick and then Lee. Um. Thank you. Uh, I think our, our group was great and very eager and, and uh, willing. And I think what we all learned was uh, we're going to be very grateful to do some preparation and practice before we go into a lobby meeting and have assigned roles and a template. So it's really helpful. Yeah, practice is lovely. It does help to, it seems like it helps to sort of calm the nerves and get through it once. And who cares if you're doing it perfectly? At least you've gotten through it. I love hearing that. Frederick and then Lee and then Valerie. All right slowly it's materializing there we go all right so i hope that you no longer feel alone in your urge to solve the climate crisis in fact according to yale the overwhelming majority of americans are alarmed concerned or cautious we are the lucky ones those who have found ccl and can work together as a team to help address the issue so um Welcome to the team. And next slide, Salemi is going to give us a send off. All right. Congratulations, everyone. You're officially trained to lobby with Citizens Climate Lobby, and you're officially a citizen lobbyist. So good luck next week with all your lobby meetings. Please reach out via the forums on CCL community if you have any questions. And we'd love to hear how all your lobby meetings went. Good luck and happy Sunday. Thank you. Feel free to mute when you're hopping off. Thanks. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank for you. Thank you. everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Good afternoon. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, all. I have one bye. question before bye, we all bye. go. Go ahead. Bye. Yes. How can we get something that um, we're working on to be considered for this group 
for others to lobby for in their communities? Hmm. We have a strategy action team. So we have our region, we have our chapters organized by geographic area. And then we have something called action teams, which are organized by topic. So if you go to, our, once you join CCL, you'll be given a link to CCL community, which is our internal okay. volunteer communications platform. And on CCL community, you'll be able to look at the action team list. And there is a strategy action team strategic planning action team. So they would be the ones to look at a particular bill. And that's, uh, yep. So Tamara's put the action teams in the chat. If you haven't yet officially joined CCL, you won't be able to get into the action team part of the CCL, but you can join CCL in order to do that. Sounds good. All right. Thank you all. Goodbye. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.